You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. God bless you guys, uh, and go blue. I don't, I don't know why I'm wearing gray. I should be... Oh, there we go. Nice. Uh, you know, as, as Pastor said, I am a missionary with Chi Alpha Campus Ministries. That is the um, uh, Assemblies of God missions uh, outreach to our secular universities. Uh, now, when I introduced that uh, missions uh, project, a lot of people in their mind are confused about why we would have missionaries to secular universities. Because typically, if you hear the word missionary... You would think of uh, maybe sending somebody to China or to the Middle East, which is great. We need to do that. But I believe that we have the most strategic mission field in your backyard, and that is the secular universities. I don't have time to dig into why that is philosophically, but I can just say it this way. If you want to uh, understand the changes in culture that have happened in the last 20, 30, 40 years, all you need to do is look to the university. Because the way our culture is set up is that we take these future leaders in government, in uh, business, in the medical field, in education, and they bring them to universities and they form their ideologies, their philosophy, their understanding of right and wrong. And then those young people come into these positions of power and influence and that becomes your world. Does that make sense? I, I, I know it doesn't seem overly complex, but the church has kind of missed this for many years and we missed this opportunity but we won't miss it any longer. So we have thousands of missionaries reaching university students for Jesus Christ. And um, I just have to tell you, before we get into the message, because I, I do believe the Lord put a message on my heart for you this morning, and I'm, I'm very excited to share this. But just before we do, I, I want to share a story, because you know, missionaries uh, always have to share stories. Uh, and uh, I want to be transparent with you at the outset and say 2020 was a difficult year for me, too. Um, it was obviously hard for all of us. And when we were um, getting ready to head into the fall at the University of Michigan, which is our crucial go time, you can imagine that. We've got 5,000 freshmen that come to campus. Many of them don't know Jesus. This is go time. It is time to do it. I was looking at a totally different landscape all these new restrictions, the university shutting things down. Um, they, thankfully, the University of Michigan was allowing in-person classes in the fall, which was a pleasant surprise for us. But I was in a place that I was just, I was frustrated. I don't know if you felt that way last year at all. I was frustrated, I was discouraged. Um, as Pastor was saying, we have a team, a, a good-sized team of missionaries that look to me for leadership. And as I was praying and thinking about it, the Lord really got a hold of my heart. And uh, I made a decision that I'm going to come in a different spirit. I'm going to come to my team in August when we get ready for this fall outreach. And I'm going to come with positivity, faith, and prayer. And we're going to have an amazing year. So I sat down with my staff team. And man, they were they were frustrated. Some were scared. Some were nervous. They had family members that were sick. With COVID, I mean, it was all over the board. You guys understand, right? And I looked in their eyes and I said, you know what, guys? We're going to have the best 
year of evangelism and discipleship we've ever had. And they said, how? I don't know. But God knows. He's going to do it. And I began to speak faith to them. And I, I came with a complete opposite spirit of what I was feeling. And I chose a good attitude. And I want to tell you, we had what is potentially the greatest fall outreach we've ever had at the University of Michigan in the midst of COVID. And you know what happened? The university shut almost everything down for these students. So in September, we had 40,000 students wandering around campus and they had nothing to do. No frat parties. Hallelujah. No, uh, no bars were all closed. The university had no events. They said no meetings over 10 on campus. These students were like just sheep coming around, you know, just walking around, thousands of them. And I kept telling my staff, this is going to be a year of outreach. This is going to be a year of evangelism. So one of my staff, John Jones, great guy, been with us since he was a freshman. He's now 27, full-time missionary with the assemblies. He said, I'm going to start playing basketball on campus as a way to reach out to young men. And uh, hey, they, they let us play basketball. He said, it's outdoors. The basketball courts were open. So he started playing basketball. And as he was walking across campus, he saw a young man, Marlon Green, uh, and he was carrying a basketball. And he said, hey, you like to play basketball, obviously. You want to join us? Marlon said, yeah, man, I'll do it. He started playing basketball. Hey, next week, you want to play? They played again. Next thing you know, hey, you want to come to our small group? Sure, I'll come to small group. They started meeting more guys playing basketball. It starts growing. I went out to play with them. Man, there was like 10 or 15 guys out there on the court were all playing basketball. I mean, I loved it. I was showing up, those young guys. I'm 50, man. I, they had nothing on me. I was, I was dunking on them and everything. But, um, which is saying something because I'm only 5'7". And so I was slamming on them. But... Uh, that's not true, by the way. But I was doing pretty well for my age. And Marlon was there. And, and then he started coming to our church services. The university shut down uh, our ability to have a church service. We meet right on campus Sunday morning, heart of campus. We have a gathering like this for students right in the heart of campus. Well, we couldn't do that. So the Ann Arbor Assembly of God said, you can use our sanctuary Friday nights. So we have Friday night church. Never done that before. But... Would you know the students absolutely love it because like 18-year-olds, they have nothing to do on Friday night. So we started having new students come, people getting saved. And then there's Marlon, Marlon Green, from the basketball court to the small group to the sanctuary. And he was hanging out with us. Well, this kid was just baptized into Jesus Christ two months ago. And not only that, yeah, I saw him uh, two weeks ago at our church service. I came up to Marlon. I go, Marlon, I love your cross. He had a big old cross around his neck. And he's sharing Jesus with his family members. John just told me that he's now trying to take his family members through a, a Bible study to lead them to Jesus Christ. So, again, it, it was a tough year for all of us. I was struggling, and I was fighting a battle in my mind and in my heart. And because God really got a hold of me and uh, changed my attitude, it made all the difference. And I want to talk about that with you, actually, this morning, because... What I want to talk with you about is what I believe um, could be one of the chief foundation stones to your success in all areas of life, whether that is ministry, family, raising great children, building a great business, 
being in education, whatever realm or facet that you are in, if you don't have what I'm going to talk with you about this morning, you're going to um, have uh, a lot of discouragement and you will never fulfill your ultimate um, potential in life. And as I look through the Bible, I mean, I see several men and women in, um, that, that were very successful for Christ and did amazing things for the kingdom. And they all had this cornerstone that I'm going to talk with you about. So what is this cornerstone of success? It's attitude. Attitude. So this morning, I'm going to talk with you specifically about cultivating and maintaining a positive attitude no matter what storms of life come against you. And you see, this is important. And, and you know why? Because your, your inner attitude shapes your outer environment. Your world around you is the natural projection and, re and result of what is going on inside your mind and your heart. That attitude creates your world. When people see, come and meet me and they talk with me, do they walk away feeling better about themselves, feeling encouraged, feeling cheerful, feeling like I can do anything? Or do they walk away from a conversation with me feeling depressed, despondent, downcast? You know, um, my current life situation, where I am in life, is the perfect result of the actions I've taken in the past. And then, and then catch this, this is very important. The actions I took in the past were the direct result of my attitude that preceded my actions. Attitude leads to action and act action is your destiny. And so if you wanna change your life, you gotta change what you're doing. If you wanna change what you're doing, you gotta change your attitude. And see, poor, poor attitudes are responsible for the destruction of countless churches. Man, I wish I could say I've never seen bad attitudes in the church. I, I mean, I'm sure the pastor's never seen that here. But um, bad attitudes, man, they destroy churches. They destroy marriages. They destroy businesses. They destroy schools. Poor attitudes break things apart. On the other hand, do you know somebody that has a, a fantastic attitude? They're positive. They're cheerful. They're an encourager. They're what we call fuelers. Certain people are fuelers. When you're around them, it's like you went to the spiritual gas station, man. You're like, you come away like, I'm filled up. You know what I mean? They didn't drain you. They didn't sap you. They fueled you. These people are successful. They do great things for God. Great things in, in, in the business world. Great things in their family. Are they just lucky? No. They have a great attitude. So when I speak and share messages with our college students, um, I've told them several times, you, in 10 years, you probably won't remember hardly anything I say to you. <laughs> so just so you know, I get that. You know what I mean? I, I've preached so many sermons. I'm like, listen, let's, full disclosure, you're not going to remember my three-point sermons. I get that. So when I speak, I like to have one main point. It's kind of a thesis. It's a main point. It's just... If you take one thing away, one thing from what I'm saying, take this away. So I've got a main point for you, okay? You ready? This is it. Let's put the slide up here. Great attitude, great life. Poor attitude, poor life. That's it. If you can take anything away from what I'm trying to say today, just, just chew on that for the rest of your life. Great attitude, great life. Poor attitude, poor life. 
And maintaining a great attitude in the midst of a storm like COVID is difficult. But this morning, we're going to look at the scriptures, and we're going to look at a man, an apostle, that maintained faith and a positive attitude in a literal storm, a storm that almost cost him his life. And even in the midst of the storm, this man walked in faith, he walked in positivity, and he led an entire ship of men forward. And the man I'm talking about, of course, is the Apostle Paul. You see, the Apostle Paul had come to the end of his journey. He had preached the gospel, he had planted churches and made disciples, and he felt that it was his time to go to Rome, which was the capital of the uh, civilization, and he was going to preach the gospel to the emperor, to Caesar. So they put him on a ship, and he set out in a big ship with over 200 men in the Mediterranean. Well, the problem is a big storm came, and the storm got worse, and the storm got worse. And two weeks later, it had been nonstop stormy seas, waves, wind, and every single man feared for his life. They had already concluded that they were going to die. This story is actually in Acts chapter 27. And I want to look at just a couple verses with you. If you want to, on your own time, read the entire chapter, it is an amazing story. I mean, Acts 27, incredible. But we're just going to look at verses 33 through 36, first of all. So after, as I said, after two weeks of relentless storms, and all of the men had already lost the battle of attitude, this is what happens. Verse 33. Acts 27. As the day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Okay, let's pause there. Think about this. Do you want to know how bad the situation was? This verse right there shows me how bad the situation was. These men had not eaten food for 14 days. Men love food. Men like to eat. I like to eat. I love to eat. Since I've been working out, I get to eat more. I tell guys, you want to eat more? Go work out. It's awesome, man. You get to eat more. It's like you stuff yourself. You keep working out and working out. You get to eat more and more. It's awesome. I love food. I love to cook food. I love to smell food. I love to look at food. I just... I just, hey, this is not idolatry, okay? I understand. I'm not talking about gluttony. I just like the art of the food. You understand? Anybody like to eat? Okay, you like to eat. Men eat. Men are very simple creatures. My wife has always told me this. There's not, a, there's not many things that it takes to make a man happy. It's basically food, sports, and something else. And so, and they're, and they're really simple creatures. I mean, really, it's not complicated. And for a man to not eat for 14 days, they weren't, these men were not fasting. They didn't choose to give up food for the sake of Christ. Men don't go 14 days without eating. So I'm just, I'm hammering this point because I want you to understand how severe this was. They would have puked it up because they were sick, because they were going to die. If you've ever been in a near-death experience, you'd understand what these men were feeling. We're going to die. See, when you're going to die, you don't care about food or anything. You just want to survive. So these men had lost. They had lost the battle. Their attitude was gone. 
and they saw no hope. And, and so Paul tells them, you've taken nothing, therefore I urge you to take some food. Now listen to what he says in verse 34. Let's look at that again. This food will give you strength because not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took the bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of them all, he broke it and he began to eat. Let's talk about what's happening here. These men that could not eat could not get their eyes off the waves and the wind and the storm. But the Apostle Paul couldn't get his eyes off of Jesus Christ. His eyes were fixed on the face of God. He was looking to Christ. And in the midst of their negativity and their fear, Paul did something very interesting. Did you notice in verse 35? He gave thanks. He gave thanks. In the midst of a storm, in the midst of turmoil and trial, he gave thanks. So Paul had what I call an attitude of gratitude, right? He had an attitude of gratitude. One of the things I have liked to do is um, really study the lives of, of successful people. What makes them successful? Why, in family, why did they have great kids? Why was this woman such an awesome, stellar mother? Why was this man such a great uh, businessman? What, what, made it, what made this happen? And you know one thing I've noticed is that successful people, um, by and large, have good attitudes because they're grateful. They have an attitude of gratitude. They're thankful people. They're people that you want to be around. And, and this is very important because your mind is like a camera. And see, it's going to develop whatever you focus on. Now, when I share this metaphor with the young generation, they don't understand what I'm saying at all because you've never used a real camera. You just have these phones and things, right? Oh, he has, okay. So back in the dark ages, when I was young, um, we would take a picture and we had something called film. Some of you remember film, right? And you never even knew what you were taking a picture of. You just, I hope it's a good one. I mean, those selfies and stuff like that. Just take a picture and, yeah, I hope it'll be good. And then you would have to take the film and you would develop the film. So they would go in a dark room and they'd put it into a chemical solution. And then this strip of film, all of a sudden, you'd see an image emerge and it was beautiful. Like, oh, there it is. Look at Oh, there's little Johnny, there's the dog, there's the trees, and that image would develop, and that would become your picture. So your mind is, is in a sense, like a camera. The more you look at something, the more your mind will develop that. So if you look with faith and you look at the positive, it's going to develop into your mind, and conversely, the negative works as well. So this morning, I want to get a little practical with you and talk about what are some of the benefits I've seen in my own life and in the lives of many people that really try to walk in faith and have a positive attitude? Let's look at the benefits of a positive attitude. Number one, verse 36. Let me go back there real quick with you. 36 says this. Then all the men were encouraged and they ate some food. So number one, positive attitude is contagious. Do you see how Paul's attitude spread throughout the entire ship? All of the men were afraid. They were all fearful. And one man's faith changed the destiny of an entire ship of soldiers. One man's faith. But not only is a positive attitude contagious, 
a negative attitude is also contagious. See, a negative attitude will spread like the plague in a church, in a team. I mean, it reminds me of a story. Uh, one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time in college basketball is Coach K. Anybody heard of Coach K from Duke? All right. He's got a, a great book on leadership, just really basic but solid principles of leadership uh, called Leading from the Heart. That's the title of his book. I read this 25 years ago. But in this book, he tells a story about coaching a team one year, and he had a stellar athlete, num number one athlete on the team, great uh, athleticism, great competitor, but the kid had a bad attitude. And when things weren't going his way, he would uh, exhibit the, the physical manifestation of a bad attitude, slumped over shoulders, a mad face, and that would spread outbursts, and it would spread to the whole team, and they were losing because of this. So Coach K went to his staff, and he said, I want you to start, in secretly, I want you to start videotaping this kid. And when he has a bad attitude, I want you to hone in on his facial expressions. And they videotaped him in games and practice. Then one day in the locker room, he called the team together and he said, listen, guys, I got to talk to you about something. And he showed the video of this kid in front of the whole team. And he said, talk to this young man. He said, you're, you're a great athlete, you know, uh, incredible competitor on this team, but you have a bad attitude. And it's destroying the team. So you've got to change your attitude if you're going to be on the team. And I don't remember who this guy was. I should look in that book for when I tell the story. But anyway, I, the end of the story is the kid um, changed his attitude. He chose to have a positive attitude. And they went on into the tournament. And they might have even won the championship that year. I'm not positive. But amazing story. See, that is, that's the leadership of, of Coach K for this man. Because he realized that, that positive attitudes spread, but negative attitudes spread. Number two benefit of a positive attitude. Blessing follows thanksgiving. When you, um, are, when you have an attitude of, of gratitude, it puts you in a position to receive the blessing of God. You know, like I was just hearing the story of this uh, church structure. What an amazing miracle. I, mean, I, I was talking to your pastor about just the way that God raised up people to donate things from steel to concrete to labor. That's incredible. But see, you, you, weren't, you didn't all of a sudden become a grateful person after this happened <laughs> because you were grateful for small things. You're probably the kind of guy that'd be grateful with like, wow, I got $100 unexpected. You see, if you can be grateful for small things, it puts you in a position to be the recipient of large blessings. Does that make sense? You see, uh, blessing follows Thanksgiving. If you're, I mean, think of it physically. If you're in a posture of, of like a grumpy posture like this, and you're just going kind of, you know, like this, I, I can't even do that. It's natural for me because I don't usually get that. But if you're just grumpy, you can't receive a thing, man. You're all curled up. You're going to collapse in on yourself like a black hole. You're not in a position with your arms outstretched, ready to receive. Thank you, Father, for what you get. Thank you for this meal you've given me. It may not be the best meal, but it's all that I've got, and I thank you. Boy, you're ready to be blessed. Now, number three, a positive attitude leads to favor, promotion, and success. Let me say this. Altitude, I'm sorry, attitude will determine your altitude in life. This is one of the, the biggest misconceptions that people have about 
um, uh, getting uh, to high levels in, in business or in career, they think, they think that people that, that get there and that are in these high positions are, are really happy because they're in the position. And that's just not right. You see, it, it reminds me of a story. Let me, let me tell you this. I, I think I've got time. So my son got his first job. Target. Oh, he works at Target. He stocks the shelf at Target. Anybody like to sh shop at Target? All right. When all the women said amen. Thank you, for, thank you for paying my son's wages. I appreciate that. And um, so he's this, stocks the shelves. He, you know, he doesn't think much about the structure of the business and the system. He just, he's, a, he's a college student, and he goes to work. But he did notice that every once in a while, on occasion, I have these higher-up people come in, like maybe the regional manager or vice president. And he said how, he noticed how a lot of his fellow employees will grumble and complain against the higher-ups. You know, they'll just kind of be real negative. He said, yeah, they just kind of complain about the manager and they complain about these higher-ups. And then the, the vice presidents come in and they come in and they're all happy with their Starbucks. Hi, you know, and HR's losing her mind. She's like, smile at the customers, everybody. Smile at the customers, you know. And everybody seems so happy when they come in. And, and uh, if you don't understand this, you're, you're going to, you're going to miss why these people are in these high levels of leadership. You're going to look at them and you're going to think, hey, if I was the vice president of Target, I'd be happy too and I'd be smiling. I'd have a positive attitude. No, you, you don't understand. The reason they're the, the vice president of, of uh, Target is because they had a great attitude when they stocked shelves. You see, you don't get a good attitude when you're in a high successful position. You get a high position because you have a great attitude when you're not in it. Right? So think about it. Let's say you're going to start a, uh, a business in Grand Haven. I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to start a business, and um, you're going to hire employees. You get your big meeting. You think you're going to sit around the table and say, let's find the grumpiest, meanest, nastiest people I can find, and let's hire them? I mean, you know, when you break it down, it makes sense. The people that are going to be elevated are the people with a good attitude. So your attitude will, will determine your altitude. And then number four, finally, we'll share this one. A positive attitude will create a positive environment in your life. I don't want to camp out in this because I've talked about it already, but it's the principle that your inner kingdom will determine your outer kingdom. Now, I'm not saying that you can control everything in your outer kingdom. And if anything will teach me that, it's 2020. I had no control over all these uh, government restrictions, over the uh, COVID-19 virus, over the University of Michigan's response. I had no control over that. But what I could control was my attitude, my response, and then my attitude and response helped craft and create my outer kingdom. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying that everything in life is completely a result of what happens internally. A lot of things are storms come. But the way that we respond to these storms is under our control. Now, I do need to say this because, I mean, I look around this church and I think you guys want to be positive. But there might be some people here that don't want to be positive And you want to develop a nasty, cynical attitude. Well, if that's you, I'm going to help you. So I've made a list of these are the top three ways to develop a nasty, cynical attitude. 
Now, I don't think anybody on the live stream would ever want this, but if anybody, for some reason in the world, wants this, let's look at it. Number one, to develop a nasty, cynical attitude, you need to covet. This works every time. I want you to look at other people that are, are higher up in their business than you and just think that they're brown nosers, they shouldn't be there, it should be me. Um, covet another man's wife, covet another woman's home, just covet, it's, it's amazing how it works really well. It will really develop this nasty cynicism within you. And um, if you see somebody that has more money than you, don't ever ask them how they did it and to help you because they'll actually like take you to coffee and sit down with you and they'll explain how they became successful and help you. You don't want that because then you'll get positive. So you want to be negative. So you never ask them, how did you make $10 million? Just don't ask them. Just think, probably inherited it. Lucky. They don't work hard. I do. Don't ever ask them. Just covet what they have and you'll always remain negative. Number two, make a list of all the things you deserve but you don't have. Now, you may have this list in your mind, but I mean, you need, if you want to really be cynical and negative, you got to take it to the next level, baby. Get your phone out, and I mean, make the list. Number one, I deserve this house, and I don't have it. Number two, I deserve these clothes, and I don't have it. Number three, I deserve this job. Number four, I deserve these grades. Just list everything you should have, but you don't. Works wonders. You'll come out of that meeting feeling really critical and negative. Finally, number three, this in America, for some reason, where our culture is at right now in the entire Western world, this is the most effective way to always remain critical and negative throughout life. Play the victim. Play the victim. You might have lived, you might have had an upbringing that had 10,000 positive things that happened to you, great memories great things, and maybe only 10 negative things, only focus on the negative. Play the victim. You are a victim of your circumstance. It's your dad's fault. It's your mom's fault. It's the government's fault. It's the governor's fault. It's the president's fault. It's the church's fault. It's everybody's fault. It's not my fault. It's everybody. Everybody else is responsible for my failure. Play the victim, and you'll remain critical and negative your whole life. Now, I want to give a caveat because when I say this, I am in no way trying to minimize the pain that some of you suffered growing up in your life. I get that. Uh, my life wasn't perfect. I choose to look at the good things. It wasn't perfect. My wife, her life was not perfect. There was many traumatic things that happened to her. And I understand that is painful. It's difficult. But what I'm trying to tell you is you can't change the past. I'm sorry but you can't change it. So you can look at the pain all you want, and you can just focus on it, you can just pick those scabs, never let them heal if you want. But you can also choose to focus on the goodness of God and his salvation and his grace. So play the victim if you wanna stay nasty and critical. If you don't, don't play the victim. All right, so I'm gonna close now with this, uh, about five more minutes, then we'll go into a worship song, but. I'm assuming most of you want to actually develop a positive faith-filled attitude. So let's, let's end on a happy note, shall we? Let's get off the critical stuff. How can you 
uh, develop a positive attitude practically this week. Share your testimony. Share your testimony. When you look at the story in Acts chapter 27, Paul had faith because of the work that Christ had done in him, and he shared that with the men. He shared his story everywhere he went. And I have shared my testimony over and over and over and over. I have told thousands of people how I was a kid that was raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan, west side of the state, and uh, was not raised in church, but was radically converted to Christ at 18. And he changed my life, saved me from a life of drugs, alcohol, sexual sin. I was messed up. I was hurting. And he rescued me. And when I share the story of Christ's rescue in my testimony, it gets my mind to, to, to leave the negative and onto the goodness of God. No matter how bad the storms are, he saved me. And I know him. Number two, if you want to develop uh, a positive attitude, make a list of God's blessings. So we talked about the list of everything you don't have. Let's not make that list, okay? Get out your phone, get out a piece of paper, and start to make a list of everything that God has blessed you with. And this can be difficult. If you're struggling with um, a negative attitude, this can be hard. I realize that. But you could even start small, right? Get out your phone. Number one, I'm alive. That's good. You know, that's a good start. Uh, number two, I ate breakfast today. And, and just start small. And as you start small, it'll, it'll build and build momentum. And you'll see the blessings that God has poured out in your life. And I know he's blessed you as he has me. And then number three, you've got to get into the word of God. You have to get into the scriptures. You have to. Um, you've got to fill your mind with God's word. When my wife and I were new, newlyweds, we were newly married Italians, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to have a great life, ready to produce a bunch of Italian offspring. So excited. And uh, my wife got pregnant. I was like, yeah, we're going to be a parent. I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be a dad. I was telling everybody, I couldn't believe it. My wife got pregnant, and then she started growing. Her belly was growing. It's awesome. We were at her 16-week appointment, and uh, the doctor was checking for the heartbeat and couldn't find the heartbeat. She said, well, she said, you know, sometimes this is normal, uh, but, but I, I think we should check, do an ultrasound, just uh, kind of emergency ultrasound. We're like, oh, okay, you know, first kid, we, nothing could be wrong. Doctor does an ultrasound, and as she's performing the ultrasound, she looked at Tammy and said, oh, this is not good. It's not good. And man, my heart sunk. This is not good. What, what do you mean it's not good? And then my wife just starts bawling. And long story short, she was about to have a miscarriage. The baby had not developed. And, um, and we went home just rocked, man. If you've ever uh, experienced the miscarriage and the pain of that, I mean, just, just rocked. And wouldn't you know it, the devil was right there to come to me. and said, you know, you're never going to have children. You guys aren't able to reproduce. You're not going to have kids. And it was something that Tammy and I always wanted, and we treasured that. And uh, I, I was battling negativity. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to fill my mind with God's word. So I open up to Psalm 128, and I wrote it out. Some of you might know that psalm. And I put it on the wall, and I would read that psalm every day. 
How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of your labor, and it will be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your home. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus will the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The devil would come to me with fear, negativity, and I'd say, shut up. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And I would speak it, and I would read it, and I memorized it, and I meditated, and I filled my mind with it. And by the grace of God, Tammy conceived shortly thereafter, and we had a little baby girl named Emma. And our little Emma now is married, and it's public, so I can share the good news. They're getting a puppy. (laughs) Just kidding. She's pregnant, and she's having a baby. So... Now the grandchildren are going to be fruitful and multiply. So, you see, when you're dealing with this, and this is real life, you guys, we all deal with this. You've got to get into the Word of God. I I know you guys teach that, so just get into the Word. All right, I'm going to have the worship band come forward. We're going to close with a song, and we wanted to um, just take take a moment to respond with prayer and then go out with a, a great time of worship, focusing our hearts on Jesus. So... If I can invite you to stand with me, please, and I want to um, say a prayer and bless you. I'm going to ask you today to think about what I've said and consider if you're willing to lay down your covetousness this morning. Maybe you've, uh, maybe you've struggled with playing the victim. I get that. You know what I mean? It's a temptation for all of us. Uh, maybe today is the, the morning you need to lay that down. I will not play the victim anymore. No matter what the pain is, I'm going to forgive that person. I'm going to let it go by God's grace. Um, If that's you, I'm going to pray for you. And uh, let's, let's make a choice to have a good attitude. It is a choice, so let me pray. Father, in our own strength, there is no way we could ever come out of 2020 with a positive attitude. And Lord, I, I laugh about it because, man, that was, that was a crazy year for me and I'm sure all of us. So we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill this sanctuary even now. We pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will fill our mortal bodies and give us life, quicken our mind, quicken our spirit, and help us to walk in faith to be men and women, boys and girls that exhibit a positive attitude, not through our own willpower, not through our own strength, and not to us, but to you be the glory. I bless these wonderful people now. I thank you for them, and we ask all of these things in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The reason I want to sing this again is... You know, the message this morning in particular, for me, was important. Um, I didn't know what Nina was going to speak on, but uh, this week was just one of those weeks. And uh, Thursday uh, afternoon, uh, I was kind of in the office area, in the kids' area where we set up, and and I had had uh, some difficult conversations that afternoon, and I was feeling pretty down. And... Uh, Bobby stops in. He could tell that I was, you know, down, and and uh, he stopped and prayed for me. And I appreciate that, Bobby. And uh, you know, the thing is, you know, there are there are seasons, right? And uh, but our perspective um, 
is so important. And so I just want to you know, say thank you uh, for, for the perspective this morning. And I want to finish on this song. Uh, it, it's so powerful. And I know that we sang it already once this morning, but I, I want to sing it with a different intensity. And I want you to, you know, where you are, to lift your hands and to sing nice and loud. And, uh, and, and at the end of the song, uh, Pastor Bobby will close and, and we'll uh, greet you as, you as you leave in the, the lobby. But, and if you're still hanging on uh, online, we want to say thank you, way to go. Um, it's, it's easy to be distracted at home, but uh, sing this out loud. Stand up or kneel and worship the Lord and uh, let it just rush over you. And uh, I pray that this will be a blessing to you. Amen. Let's do it. Yes, Jesus, we thank you just for who you are. That it is by your power that mountains move. It is by your power that oceans are open wide, that you are a faithful and you are a good God. And even in those psalms of lament, in those places where people are crying out and asking where you are, they look to those moments where you have been faithful, where you have been good, where you have, uh, um, where you have answered those prayers, God. And so we, I just pray for anyone who still, uh, maybe after song, maybe after this message, they still feel in a place of hopelessness. They still feel like they're in a place of brokenness, God. I pray that we can look back to those times where you have been faithful. That, God, you've done so much all throughout the scriptures, all throughout your word, time and time again of being faithful, of fulfilling your promises, of meeting needs. Lord, we pray in, in, in the midst, at the end of maybe one of the most busiest or one of the most crazy or one of the most hectic or one of the most unexpected or maybe one of the most unfruitful seasons for us, Lord. A time where we've been met with adversity and adversity and change. Maybe we've faced indifference. Maybe some of us personally have faced sickness, God. We thank you that you are still faithful, that you are still good, that you still answer your promises. Help us keep our eyes fixed on you in the midst of the storm. Help us to be people with that attitude of gratitude that's just contagious to everyone around us. Let us be people who lift others up. And let us be people who are continually sharing what you've already done in our lives, how you've already been faithful in the past, how you've already brought us from death to life. Lord, and we thank you that in the midst of it, your power is made perfect in our weakness. That when we are brought to places of, of, of lowness, when we are brought into places where we are powerless, it's time for you to show off your power. It's time for you to show off how great of a God you are. Because God, if you can use someone like me, God, you can use anyone. Let us be people who catch on to that attitude of gratitude. Let us be people who have thankful and cheerful hearts and who are always giving praise and thanks for what you're doing in our lives. Lord Jesus, 
And we pray as we go that you would be behind us, that, that you would be before us, that you would be all around us as you're commissioning us to a lost and broken world. Let us be people of light and of love as we go. God, we give you all the thanks. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In your awesome and mighty name we pray. And all God's people here in person and at home together say amen. Amen. Thank you for staying a little bit longer today. And um, yeah, and as you go, uh, be, be blessed. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.